0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Kieran McVitie podcast. In today's podcast, we speak to Scottish cyclocross racer, Cameron Mason. Cameron rides for the Trinity Racing Team, and in this episode, we talk about his unusual route into the elite ranks and his recent bronze medal in the European Cyclocross Championship. Cameron is an awesome dude, so I'm excited to share this interview with you. Let's get started. Hello, Cameron. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Do you want to start us off by telling us who who are you?
1: Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm Cameron. Uh, I'm from Scotland, and I'm riding for Trinity Racing at the moment. I'm mainly racing in saddlecross, but I also do mountain bike and hopefully road. It was the plan in 2020, but as things were, yeah. uh, <laughs> things changed quite a bit. But I'm currently in Belgium. Uh, which I'm very thankful for. The races are are happening every week, which is, yeah, which I didn't, it's been, uh, yeah, there's some weeks that you're like, wow, how are we racing? Uh, But overall, things are pretty safe, so I'm happy to be, happy to be racing.
0: With the racing at the minute, I'm guessing there's no spectators at the race, and that must be super weird for cyclocross.
1: Definitely, like, and where if anyone's watched saddlecross or has been to saddlecross race like a good majority of the kind of atmosphere is from the from the crowd and like the the courses are actually a lot of the time like set up around people watching it so yeah you turn up to the races and it's just like staff members and riders and you're kind of going around this kind of very empty field with lots of wooden poles in it it's it's definitely a different atmosphere and you're definitely even more in your own bubble of of suffering. Um, there's no kind of white noise of people shouting and stuff. Um, and yeah, I don't, I, I I don't know. In the first few races, I didn't really notice the lack of crowds because I was thinking about other things, like how mm. hard the race was or what I needed to do at that exact moment. But now, yeah, as the season's kind of gone on, you're like, yeah, like this is weird, this new normal of, of no big gatherings Um, and I'm not sure when the crowds can come back I guess I think maybe in kind of small groups I I don't really understand I don't really know but Saddlecross is kind of a good one in terms of that they managed to kind of fence it off almost like it's almost like an arena sport so they can they could actually put on the race fence off the whole venue and then put on the race with no crowds uh whereas i think it's crazy how these races like the tour and the world went ahead with yeah this massive race going through open towns but it worked mm. and and we managed to get good racing so yes yeah, crazy crazy few years isn't it
0: yeah it's, it has been weird uh you know th- this whole year and to have I mean, I mean, for me personally, you know, I normally work on events and stuff and I have, you know, events over the year, but it was almost like nothing happened. And then it all happened at once. And it was like this amazing, like I couldn't keep up with all the races going on, um, which was, you know, it was thrilling in its own way, but it was also like, what yeah. is this madness? How did you get into racing?
1: So I think it was my cousin who kind of, it came from his side. So he, he, their family are down in Reading and we went to see them, uh, one kind of autumn, I think. And he was doing a saddlecross race. Um, so we went along to watch and I have a mountain bike and I had done some, a little bit of racing and stuff in Scotland. Um, but nothing like Saddlecross. So then we went to this, this, whole new thing that we didn't know about which was racing around a field in the mud uh and it was I just really enjoyed it I think I was nine or ten and it was just quite simple like you all start here you do laps until we tell you to stop and then that's it you had your fun and then you can go play with your mates or something so it was quite a nice yeah I think that's a lot how a lot of kids get into it it's just a kind of weekend activity and something to look forward to and then When I went back, when our family went back to Scotland, we kind of found the local races, the local series, and then kind of, yeah, started traveling about with them. And that was kind of my childhood was, yeah, going around different races and kind of progressing through through to different courses and stuff. And then I think my first race outside of Scotland was maybe like under 14. So we went to like a national mountain bike round and that was a whole new level of like, whoa, like... (laughs) <laughs> you go there and you see like other pro, you see like pro riders, and then you see guys who maybe come over from abroad. And then obviously, I'm like watching things on the TV, like the Tour de France, and just kind of slowly piecing together all these cool parts of this sport that I I was enjoying just for the the like the thrill of going fast or like the enjoyment of just playing in the mud. But then you start to see all of the other things, like these guys are. Like, they do it every day. Like, these are adults, like, doing it as their job. And, like, it's not just a kid's thing that you would do at the weekend. So then when I was, like, yeah, under 14, under 16, realising that if I, like, put my mind to it, like, this is something I could maybe, yeah, just keep doing and then keep moving up. Um, so then I started racing nationals. And I was quite good as a as an under 23. and um, Well, I am under 23 now. I mean under 12. Uh I was I was quite little but everyone was quite little so but I had always had pretty good skills so they kind of kind of compensated for my size and I I could I could actually win races at like under 10 under 12 and then as people kind of shot up and I didn't then (laughs) it was less of a level playing ground playing field and um yeah you just can't compete with with a 16 year old who's grown and looks like a 20 year old versus a 16 year old who hasn't grown and looks like a 12 year old which is what I was Uh, so (laughs) I think that was probably a time that I probably could have found something else or become less interested um at the time we were doing kind of scotch cycling sessions that were really kind of skill focused um so that was kind of a way for me to I could still show off like what I was good at and the it wasn't results based and it wasn't performance based it was just about development and uh, it was a really good way of keeping me in cycling because it gave me something to kind of look forward to every week or to yeah I think if I was maybe more road orientated at that point in my like cycling career it would have been a little bit harder because you've got to have a certain level of strength to kind of enjoy the races I think at a certain level and um, mm. whereas in mountain biking and with with the certain coaches, I was able to kind of, um, yeah, get, get something a little bit different out of it, not just results and not just speed and power. And then, so yeah, as an under 14, under 16, there wasn't much happening. I was just kind of just going around to going to races and and getting kind of kicked in by my mates who are a lot bigger. Um, but then as things level out more and yeah, you get stronger and you develop physically and all that you things, yeah, level out. So, towards junior, I was able to kind of catch back up to these people and then use the skills and all of these experiences that I've had to learn from not being so big to then,
0: mm. yeah.
1: Do you think that helps you stuff. then,
0: being in a place where you had to, you know, as an under 14, you had to kind of struggle a bit, you had to work harder than these people who are more naturally talented? Do you think, you know, what's what's your opinion on on that? I think,
1: yeah. You see that a lot actually with other other riders and in other sports like people have not had the easy road actually when it comes to when the playing field is more level then uh yeah they've gained these other skills so I think I learned how to keep up with people because of my skills or because of my tactics or because of the little things not just kind of pure power and maybe some of those other riders who developed earlier maybe kind of left some of those things to the side because they 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 could have they could because they didn't need them um so i think in the yeah overall i think it's really it has helped me um because right now i'm one more of the kind of skilled riders and i think those skills i learned them all when i was kind of yeah trying to compensate for not being very very strong on the bike Yeah, bunny hopping
0: jumps and all
1: sorts of stuff. I'm still not mastered that one. Yeah, and and, uh, all those little things, like, yeah, at the time you don't realise how useful they are because for me it was always just kind of playing on the bike. It was always just, it felt fun to do. It felt good to go out with your mates and just build jumps and try and ride down drop-offs that you probably shouldn't be riding down. Like, that was all just really fun. Um, And then you look back and go, like, that's the best way to learn something. Like, to... For it not to feel like a, a chore or like like it's hard work um because then when you can't do it if it, you don't get disheartened it's like always progress and i think i can take something of that you can anyone can kind of learn from that and like trying to make learning fun or trying to make it like less of a chore um, whether that's yeah finding a slightly different way to do it like in bike related things like yeah going out with friends is a really good way to learn because it's not as self-focused you can kind of bounce off other people and Mm. your your failures become their kind of comedy which if you can laugh about (laughs) it or like yeah (laughs) it's a bit more lighthearted. because like especially when you're a bit older it's easy to get kind of disheartened when you're learning new skills and stuff and I find it every year when I'm kind of getting trying to get my skills back up on the saddle cross bike it's yeah it's it's hard like you've got to because skills can kind of yeah, go away from you if you don't practice them all the time. Um, so I yeah always try and remember to take it back to basics and just ground up, slowly build up and it will come back quite quickly. But um, yeah, just trying to keep it, keep it fun and not get too disheartened about it.
0: Oh, of course, it's very important to keep it fun. So when you were growing up? Did you did you cycle mainly like with your mates or did you kind of get into it with your with your family?
1: Uh it was actually maybe more through my family like we did we used to do like family cycling holidays so we'd Aww. we'd do like a long weekend or something so we'd go and cycle around like the Isle of Arran or something on in Scotland oh. or we'd go to a specific place and like we'd cycle one day and I look back and it was probably only like 30 40 miles in one day. Uh, but when you're 12 or 13 that is that's a lot so um,
0: yeah.
1: and actually I think a lot of those bike rides yeah I now realize how much I got out of them in terms of like the feeling of like going somewhere and like totally under your own power as well like point a to point b stopping in a in a bar or a pub and like sleeping there or like camping and it's very yeah I don't know it's it's quite empowering isn't it when you're when you're only like 12 13 and you're trying to you're opening up your world but it's literally just your legs or or with my dad's hand on it on my back as he pushes me up hills because I used to be an absolute I I was not (laughs) a hard kid I was for a long time I would definitely be whinging for the uh for the push on the climbs uh, um because my dad was a lot stronger but yeah, no, me, and my, uh, my dad, my mom, and my brother would, um, would go on on cycling holidays, and yeah, I think yeah, in the summer we'd do loads of them, and uh, you'd we'd, we'd kind of yeah, broaden our little bubble of of places that we've ridden our bikes, um, so yeah, that was that was really good fun.
0: And that must have been pretty cool, you know, being twelve and going to school and be like, I rode thirty miles, and people that just is, can't even fathom yeah. it, can they?
1: <laughs> that was the majority of my childhood. Was like, yeah, yeah. and because I was super proud of it. Or like, you do a race weekend down in the borders and or something, and uh, and then you can tell your friends about it because it's actually a really cool sport. And or you go to Glen Tress and you hit a massive drop off, and you're not, you don't have even though I'm not very old we didn't have uh like mobile phones to like show our mates in primary school so you just tell them how massive the drop was and you say it was (laughs) twice the size of me uh which is mega bragging rights like it was it was this big um so yeah that, that yeah I think uh because not many people at my school rode bikes um there were a few people kind of in the area through the bike club but actually at my school it was kind of just me and my brother and then a few other people um so that i think that was quite yeah it didn't it didn't really put me off if anything it was like this is my thing it's like my my thing to be proud of and i can boast about it when i want to boast about it like um it wasn't like normal thing which mm-hmm. i kind of got something out of because um yeah, I could kind of go my own path and and the, some parts of it people wouldn't understand but I was all right because I, I enjoyed it for, for my own reasons.
0: So what, what was your bike club you mentioned that you first rode for?
1: West Lothian Clarion was our my first bike club just a go ride club it was always like an adult club and then when I was like 11 or 12 my dad actually helped start the um the youth club and yeah it was just saturday mornings uh i think it was like 9 10 a.m. and i think we started with like 10 15 people and like a couple of coaches doing like flat skills at the ledger, at the like at the leisure center on on the grass um and yeah like picking up bottles from little boxes and then putting them on the other ones and and doing i can't remember if we were doing saddlecross skills at that point or if it was just kind of Gotta
0: love go skills. ride. Gotta love go ride. It's
1: yeah, amazing. I think so. Yeah, I think it was just general go ride skills, um, yeah. and then as we got more coaches and as we got more people from the area, we had like mountain bike sessions and then road sessions and saddle cross sessions. And and at one point, probably when I was yeah like an under twelve, we were doing um, week on week off at different venues. So we'd have like a, a a crit week. So we'd go to the the car park and do a full few hours of crit training and then we'd have saddle cross training week and then we'd have a mountain bike training week where I live there's like quite a big yeah like there's lots of different woods for different things so there's like the ledge center and then there's car parks and then there's there's mountain bike places so yeah that was I I would it was a really important thing that the club were pushing was pushing us to ride lots of different bikes if we had them and the club also had bikes to loan out so I rode a club bike, uh, a saddlecross bike all the way through until under 14. So they had a a massive kind of fleet of Isla bikes that they'd got donated. So that was, yeah, it was really cool. And so they would get given to, to riders who were racing or riders who were kind of coming up. And yeah, that was, that was really important.
0: Wow. Yeah. No, it sounds like an absolutely amazing club. Is it still going strong now?
1: Yeah, I think they've, I mean, I think they managed to do quite a bit. In the summer even though COVID but just within the region obviously uh but yeah they've probably got a waiting list still and a few yeah. hundred kids I think they're the biggest second biggest in Scotland so they're wow. now very big so when I started it was just 10 of us and then now there's a couple of hundred
0: uh you were under, like the OG
1: under <laughs> juniors yeah yeah there's there's <laughs> photos of me absolutely tiny and like an Altura, um, Like massive baggy jacket.
0: I feel like everyone has those photos. They're like when they first started. Like, if you started when you're a kid, it's kind of acceptable to have bad clothes, isn't it? But I think everyone has like when they started, they just had awful clothes. Like, no idea what they did.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And then, but then you see some kids now and they're rocking around in something the best, like most trick kit ever. And now everyone, now all the bike brands make like sick bikes as well
0: Did you see the specialized balance bike that's like a thousand pounds or something
1: i i have to promote that i get commission on that and it's <laughs> <a good one>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> imagine oh my god and i, I mean they always used to be kids you know and they turn up and it's like a 12 year old on a cervello with di2 and I, you know, I raced a cyclocross bike for road and cyclocross until I yeah. was about 15. So
1: yeah, my uh, first road bike wasn't until junior because yeah. a cyclocross bike is perfect for it because then you can use it it's for nice. everything. <laughs> then uh, I think, and everyone had the uh, the decathlon, the decathlon set. Well, I did anyway because decathlon was kind of quite big at that point. But they feel like the B twin fleece and everything oh, yes
0: it's, it's good. Had it and, if, all going.
1: and if you're just about to grow out of it then why not go to decathlon and get your kit
0: oh it makes so much sense right i mean especially when you're you know 10 and you're having like massive growth spurts <laughs> like yeah. it doesn't make sense to spend that much money on kit
1: yeah and the and the, the inter club kind of kit swaps as well uh because there's no doubt someone else is going to need your kit because they're just getting into it uh although awesome. the kit that I would always pass on would have like knee holes and elbow holes from, from falling <laughs> off so, well, my mom a bit sewing and, and, and stitching and that type of stuff so the uh we managed to get quite a lot of life out of my kit and a lot of it is still going as well like we have I see it when I go home and ride it in the look go uh I I see bits of my old kit riding around still yeah yeah
0: amazing uh,
1: so it's obviously, it's good quality stuff. And if people keep repairing it, then it, it can keep did going. Did you used and...
0: to have, did you used to have that, like, <coughs> go ride jersey?
1: No, I don't think they made it I up to It was, like, us, red and club. blue and... No, I think we had, what do we, there's... Basically, our, our club jerseys just got more grey and more grey, like they're white and yellow, and they just got so used and used and passed mm-hmm. down. Uh, but it all it all lasted. But there's there's still a few bits of my kit that are kind of still in the in the circulation of the bike club. I think.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, it's great that people can still get the use out of it, and you know when they see you now doing amazing. Third in the European cyclocross champs, you know, they can be like, I've got his jersey.
1: <laughs> and and those uh those loner bikes, the the bikes that the club had, I think a lot of them are still going. Uh so mm. and now these under fourteens have Instagram, they message me and say, I think this is the bike that you rode when you were 14. Oh, um,
0: that's, so that's so nice. I think that's
1: that's pretty cool.
0: No, that definitely is. So let's talk about you going into your junior ranks obviously you've you know you've grown into yourself you've gained some strength that you maybe didn't have when you were in the under under 16 and under 14 level races what was it like turning up to junior and being like oh I'm quite fast now (laughs) yeah it was still
1: like yeah so I think first year junior I started to kind of we started doing a lot more national races so yeah traveling down to england and from mountain bike and saddle cross so racing with with guys like pidcocks and turners and Tulets and and all these names that you kind of recognize now and um because they're all kind of the year older than me so when i was first year junior i was in the same races as tom pidcock and ben turner watching them kind of go off to europe and do that so at that point that was definitely a big kind of yeah motivation for me seeing seeing these guys are just just there but doing exactly what i want to do um so yeah just saw that and was like yep i'll just do what they're doing i'll go to these races try every week to get a little bit better um and it it started paying off and yeah in, in first year junior there was still nothing exciting going on with results or anything but looking back i realized i probably shouldn't i should have cared about it even less like it's not junior is not really the time to be going kind of result hunting it was there was just yeah loads of experiences that i was gaining and all this and that's that's what i'm still remembering and using to this day so it was now it was a really good few years and at the time i was on the the scottish mountain bike program uh -hmm. which was a really important platform for me in just the kind of the structure and then also the opportunities that gave me with, with mountain biking internationally. So we did a trip every year to, to Baniola's near Drona to do um, a training camp and then a big UCI race. Um, awesome. And that made me feel like very pro because
0: yeah. you're going to, an,
1: you're going to another country and then you're racing. Like the first year I went, I got a photo with, a photo with Pauline fran because you know, when you're like 16 year old guys, <laughs> absolute hero um so yeah and then so yeah that was that was really really cool um and you're obviously training on nice roads and on really amazing trails around Drona um so that yeah the the pro-life then was like whoa this is this is super cool and you're doing it with your mates as well so that makes it even more fun um and you're at school at the same time so there's it's a bit of that like it's mm. it was a little bit hard obviously like yeah I think when I was, yeah, 16, 17 junior, I think you're doing your hires in Scotland, which is like your your A-levels or your yeah. or your um, GCSEs, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was a little bit hard to kind of – it was like anything, isn't it? Just bouncing. Uh, but then at that time, the cycling was getting better as well, so that kind of made mm-hmm. the the – School a little bit easier in terms of mm, maybe it's not as important. If I'm enjoying <laughs> if I'm enjoying my bike this much, then I know I, then maybe I don't need to put as much effort into my into my school. <laughs> it's I don't know. It's turned out fine. So,
0: <laughs> so do you think when you first did that trip to Banyot Like when, when is it you think you realise like I want to be a pro? I want to be a full time bike rider
1: um I don't you get asked quite a bit about that and it's I was for me it was never like a a switch or anything it was like I want to ride a bike and then and one year later I'd be like yep I still want to ride a bike and then one year later Mm. like yep still want to ride a bike and now I'm like yep I still want to ride a bike and it just (laughs) happens that you're doing it a little bit more professionally each year like it's very small steps like for me it was never like boom here's Here's the contract. Here's World Tour or anything like that. It's it's mm. just a little steps up. Um, so yeah, it's in my head. It all seems like quite a natural progression. But then, for some people who haven't who don't know me or like like my, my family are always like, well, yeah, you just kept riding your bike and you took the opportunities <laughs> that were there and you walked yeah. through the open doors. And to me and them, it seems quite simple. But I guess from the outside, you'd be like, maybe yeah, it's like was it this special a special opportunity that came along, but I think yeah all of the things that came to me was were as a result of kind of me doing quite proactive things like going to certain races because i wanted to work on a certain type of thing like if i hadn't gone to belgium when i was a junior to 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 start somewhere and to race then i wouldn't have got noticed by this person who gave me this and then so yeah obviously when you look back it it looks a bit black and white obviously like that's the reason i'm here today but mm-hmm. when in, in the moment it's never really like that but i seem to have kind of done the right steps to kind of get to a certain level in in one way but there's loads of different ways as other people have shown like you can like e- someone like evie richards who's come really from mountain biking and really only been mountain biking and then has also done south cross and then there's obviously road riders who have, who have changed about like there's there's loads of different ways which is a good thing and I think the way that I've gone about it is a bit more different like not really being connected to to bridge cycling as much um Mm -hmm. because when you're like a junior for a lot of riders it's like like a talent team or like it's all about the program um Mm -hmm. or Olympics and that can be quite that system's quite cutthroat as well so if that's all you were ever thinking about I think that uh if if things don't work out then yeah you don't want to get kind of yeah cut down early whereas i think the way i went about it was a uh, equally as hard in his own his own ways but just was important to show that the, there's other ways to kind of yeah be a full-time bike rider or to or to race internationally and do these things so i hope hopefully that's kind of helped other people realize that yeah there's there's more than one way to to be a bike rider
0: oh yeah definitely I think there's so much pressure on a lot of riders when they are 15 16 17 18 like you say you're doing your GCSEs or you're doing your a levels but if yeah. you're someone who's like you have an opportunity to be an elite rider or you've had, you show the potential to there's there's a lot of pressure because it's like you got to do your schoolwork, but also we want you to win all these things
1: <laughs> it's just yeah someone's always got a People are, in, are always going to be invested in you as well. Yeah, it's just that balance of doing things for yourself and then also planning ahead. And I think I never really overthought it that much, which was probably a good thing. Like I just did what I did in the moment and then didn't really try not to regret what I was doing and just, yeah, did what I had to do. So I did school to the best of my ability and then set myself up to a level that if things didn't go right in cycling then there were other opportunities um but then just as things happened the the doors kind of opened in cycling and then I could kind of scoot off in that in that direction so
0: off I go um,
1: yeah see you guys as as kind of friends are going off to uni and stuff it was kind of a natural progression for me to go and do my thing um Mm. and kind of move on to my next next bit of life
0: awesome what's your experience with scottish cycling because i know you said you're involved with them when you were when you were a junior how does the scottish cycling system work
1: yeah so scottish cycling is just kind of like a regional body really but the difference is they obviously they're a like a commonwealth country so that's mm. quite a bit of their funding is is commonwealth medals and games so um and then they get direct funding from from british cycling as well uh so, so it's it's for me, I, I owe a lot to them in terms of uh, like the specifics of different parts of my development and stuff, um, and yeah, they just yeah they they look after Scottish cyclists basically, and and they've got quite a good understanding of like the different disciplines as well. And I think we've got great facilities in terms of like we've got track facilities, road facilities, and then we have a big group of mountain bikers just because in scotland there's lots you of have mountain biking. mountains there yeah
0: <laughs> yeah so just
1: generally like there are quite a few mountain bikers coming through programs so that is like seen as quite a priority and and along with that commonwealth games thing it means that riders get sent there so like either short uh at the last games and grant ferguson and at the moment there's there's quite a few mountain bikers and stuff so that's yeah something that scotch cycling definitely definitely values
0: it's definitely interesting because a lot of the people I know kind of came up either through that kind of talent team, ODP, mm. um, kind of British cycling Olympic pathway, or they, you know, started later, they did the Dave Rayner fund, or they tried mm. to do it themselves. And it's so interesting, just like people's perspectives on like Uh, you know some people are really jealous of like oh I wish I'd been in that program but then often you see the riders who've been through this and you know it's not like obviously for a lot it's it's done them really well but for some people it's it's not the not the right balance so I I think it definitely depends on your personality what
1: yeah yeah and like as as you kind of yeah as you meet more people you realize yeah how many different ways there are to the to the top like just in the last few years and like being on Trinity I've met a lot of different people so there's there's people like like um like Abby May Parkinson who's come up actually really quite self-made in terms of she made a big step to race for an Italian team when she was a junior in U23 so that was quite a big yeah just moving to Italy on her own uh Mm. really young and that's obviously one way. And you see that a lot of the road riders moving off to France and stuff, and trying to trying to make a, a name for themselves. But then there's then there's program riders who have come up through the track and stuff like that. So, yeah, there's there are, there's loads of different ways. And then off-road riders have their own kind of development and pathway. Um, and everyone kind of comes together with those loads of different skills, like life skills and different different race results. And then they all get kind of chucked on in on one team. <laughs> Kind of made to Everyone's get along, equal
0: which... on that start line though right
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah exactly yeah it's the leveler of cycling is you have to get to the finish line first yeah
0: yeah <laughs> so let's talk a bit about your your riding with with trinity so <clears throat> you you did the you won the junior national cyclocross series in the 2017 2018 season is that right yeah. And yeah. then you started riding for Trinity 2018. <clears> Have <throat> oh, I got that right?
1: Uh, so, I yeah, I won, yeah so I won the series. And then I did one year of uh, being a privateer, basically, in Saddlecross. Yeah. So I had my own sponsors. Um, and that year, I went to Belgium for the first time, like, properly. Um, so me and my dad would go over kind of every other weekend and race doubleheaders and um, just try and learn everything you've got to learn racing abroad and new tracks and everything. Uh, and that season, nothing that exciting happened. I did well in the kind of British races, but for the most mm-hmm. part, it was kind of being in Belgium and getting my ass kicked and, uh, mm-hmm. just kind of getting round races and getting pulled out of races and making mistakes and stuff. But that season kind of culminated in me getting selected for the world champs, which was mm-hmm. really, a big opportunity as, as a first year B2A3. Uh, so I went to the world champs in, in Denmark and, uh, also selected was like Thomas mean, Ben Turner and Tom Pidcock. Um, so I was in good company and I didn't do anything interesting in the race. Uh, but I, I was one step closer to kind of hopefully being competitive. And then during the summer of, yeah, I guess it was twenty nineteen. Uh Tom messaged me asking if I want to ride for his team. And that was a very welcome message because yeah. it was Cheers, Tom. Trinity are the only kind of UCI level saddlecross team that are British. Um mm. and they've shown with other riders that they yeah, they have the the platform to to help people like me. So I, yeah, I jumped at that and moved out to Belgium in October and then spent the whole season racing, racing saddlecross and alongside Tom and Abby, my teammates last year. And then this year with, with uh, a few more riders, I've, yeah, I've learned a huge amount. And now in a position that I can kind of start to kind of win medals and things like this, which is, which is a bit mad, but um, yeah, the first season I was living out in Belgium last our season was big learning curve in terms of looking after yourself and just general day-to-day being a bike rider like you're yeah you wake up and you've got to, you've got to do a job and you've got to yeah look after your body and turn up to the races mentally and physically as good as you can be and um you you've got to be a teammate and you've got to be a rider and you've got to do all these things so yeah it was it was a lot of a lot of learning in that in that first season um so yeah.
0: what's the setup then so are you based in Belgium for 6 months of the year how does that work
1: um yeah basically october until february so it's like yeah it's 5 months um the team have a team house uh near brussels uh so we all live in that uh so last year it was just me and me and tom for most of the year and then this year it's there's a few more of us so we're um at the most there's five of us uh but with travel and everything and me breaking my collarbone we've actually managed to miss each other quite a bit uh but there's always someone racing um yeah and at the moment it's just me ben and tom who are out finishing off the season basically being with riders like tom and and training with him every day and last year especially like I learned loads um like he's he's done a lot of things already um and ridden loads of different races and stuff so every week I could kind of learn from a rider like him and and see kind of yeah how he functions as a, as a bike rider because yeah I I've made it to kind of a really good level but I've also got a lot to learn in 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 the world of cycling, like I, my progression was really kind of quite smooth, but it was, yeah, mm. it was say, regional, national, and then international. And um, there's, as you know, in cycling, there's always new things to learn, new technologies, new ways of looking at things. And there's always someone telling you to do it like this because it's better. Um, and we're like, look at this new piece of research. But I think the other thing that I learned quite quickly is that a lot of athletes success is down to, doing simple things really well and being mm-hmm. consistent with things. Um, and that's kind of why what I, what I try and replicate is is, yeah, being consistent and and being and being solid with things. There's no magic ingre- magic ingredient. There's no special diet. There's no special yeah. training program that makes you the best in the world. It really is quite boring. It's showing <laughs> up every day, doing yeah. the work and then recovering really well. Um, And that's kind of what I've been doing.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think like definitely the life of an elite sports person, it's, you know, it can be glamorized. It can be like, Mm. uh, you know, it can be made to seem like they're almost superhuman. Um, But I think actually the the talent is that discipline to, like you say, do all of the simple things right every Mm. day yeah forever <laughs> like
1: for a really I'm, long I'm time like, i'm finding like definitely a thing that i learned in 2020 was like it made me realize what i really where the enjoyment really came from from riding my bike because there was a really big period from so i I raced like at the end of the Saddlecross season in february and then i didn't race again until august um which is the longest time i've never raced and i realized what i needed to keep riding my bike every day and that was Basically, just the kind of adventure, more exploration, like riding new trails every day and that type of stuff that's what actually got me out the door every day and and that's something that I will now remember is that if I'm ever stuck for motivation or ever in a bit of a rut, trying to yeah tap into that a little bit more um because yeah, I rode more new roads and new trails back in my home in Llithgow in Scotland. Than i have ever done before because i had like everyone had loads of time and lots of training to do so i kind of set about trying to ride everything that i could uh trying to slowly kind of get further from home and riding more towards glasgow and doing different hill ranges and on my gravel bike and on my mountain bikes um and yeah that was a really yeah i had the best summer ever last year and uh which seems a bit selfish to say when there's so much going on but at that time what I felt was the best thing I could do was yeah follow the rules and do the best that I can do in my job. Um, and hopefully that kind of benefits the world down the line that, uh, that I kind of focus on myself a little bit and just, and work on what I can work on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a tough year for everyone, but, um, I think I'm, I'm happy. I managed to get out of 2020 some really, really good things and tick off some, tick off some good things
0: yeah i think it's super interesting listening to how different athletes and and people as a whole have mm. motivated themselves and you know especially for athletes you know being a racer you're you're so goal driven you yeah you know this race i want to do well in or you know i'm aiming for this time of year because these are the races that i want to form in so like you say it's just focusing on that what can you do what can you actually control Mm. um I think it's super interesting but like with anything you know keeping the fun in it like with going off going off for finding new trails and 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 that sort of thing like that's that's what makes it fun and that's what That's what keeps keeps you going. What, in your opinion, has been the best thing from 2020 and the worst thing for you personally? It's
1: probably the same thing. It's been the best and the worst. Mm. Like, the lack of racing has probably been the worst thing, but then it's also been, like, a blessing in terms of maybe realise all the other things that cycling's got to offer. Like, I did a lot more social riding, obviously, small groups, and uh, where we actually could when the rules were allowed to, but the... I did certain rides that I would never have done if they hadn't been racing around the corner. Um, so I did on the summer solstice, we did a 300 kilometer gravel ride, me and a few friends, Whoa. which I'd never, I would have never really kind of considered. And, um, because that stuff like knocks you out for quite a while. So <laughs> if, if I had been racing, then no way I would have even thought about it. Um, and then yeah, the, the bad thing is obviously not having the racing and because, Yeah, I'm competitive and that week on week goal is is what is what kind of drives me and gets me up every day and and keeps me moving forward. But yeah, as I said, like I was trying to find like different things to do that day in, day out. Um, And yeah, I yeah, I just kind of yeah, I really enjoyed it and I wouldn't I wouldn't I made me kind of think if racing doesn't happen for whatever reason whether it's from my side whether it's my body fails or doors close or something it makes me a lot less scared for what's on the other side because I realize as long as I get enjoyment out of riding a bike or out of doing anything I'll probably be able to find some motivation in that um because and it's and it's that I never really had that headroom I never really thought that I don't really like looking at the future I like looking where do you want to see yourself in four years I hate that question like I'd Do not look. That's my next
0: question. (laughs) (laughs) I've
1: never looked that far. Like I'm friends with people at school, and like they seem like they have their whole kind of life planned out. They do this, 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 and then they'll be happy. And that just doesn't. I never really goes across my head. I'm just kind of like, yes, this is fun now. And if it stops, it stops. And if it keeps going, then perfect. I'll keep enjoying it. Um, But I think last year definitely was like, yeah, learned a few more things about myself. That will hopefully, yeah, help me as a person.
0: Really interesting how you how you've gotten through this year, and you seem so so optimistic, which is honestly like so refreshing, um, because you know COVID comes up and everyone's like, oh my god, it's the worst yeah. thing ever. Um, but I mean, really I, just you
1: just do enjoyed it so much. It's it's not all <laughs> optimistic in terms of like there's yeah there have been sometimes when you're like. You sit down and think about it like, oh my goodness, my my career is like slipping away from me, like all these races that I'm missing. Like I'm yeah. But then I take another step back and I'm like, actually, I'm riding my bike every day. I'm still getting stronger. I'm still getting fair of this, like, yeah, I'm I'm in the right direction. And the racing did come back. And even though the world is different, I think that side of things will hopefully keep ticking along at, at some sort of level. But I'm I'm super happy. And lucky to be in in Europe and still doing exactly what I love. And I I was chatting to my mum about it yesterday, and they're really happy just to see me. While things are very slow in the UK and it, mm. it, it can feel really quite doom and gloom, they're really happy that I'm still able to push forward and and take off these awesome things. And for them as parents, obviously that's you yeah that's the perfect thing to see your kids doing. That that, that yeah they're it's not yeah that you're not getting stalled by this this these things that are going on so yeah i'm definitely grateful for that
0: as you say you know if if you're still enjoying it and it's is still bringing you joy then it's that's the right thing to do for sure so you you've actually you just on your way back from an injury you broke your collarbone in december just one month after you got third in the european cyclocross champs how are you doing <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm well. The shoulder is all fine. It's got some metal in it at the moment, um, which yeah is cool. Uh, I've never i never broken a bone before. I crashed, um, so that was oh, my first ever no. break. So I was I was racing the Superstige in Merx Plus, and on the very first lap, I think we were five minutes into the race. I came into the sand section and got off line and went straight over the bars, and didn't even have time to put my hands out. But I just fell on my shoulder and all my weight went through it and it just broke my collarbone um and I could hear and feel it break and I was like yeah well that's what it feels like to break a collarbone and I knew then I was like yep let's just climb off the course here and go see the doctor and uh they took me off to hospital and did surgery the same day which was great and it was pretty quick to be honest like uh I had two weeks in a sling and then um another month of no racing and then then I did my first race at the weekend and that's pretty much two months of recovery so it's yeah if if something like that was going to happen then it was it was 2020 was the year for it to happen so that is another bucket list thing for 2020 was break my collarbone (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and uh, I've kind of put that put that to bed now and now we're in 2021 and it's a new year. Uh, to do all that stuff but that's
0: it was on your bucket list to break your collarbone no no well
1: maybe maybe looking back at it it's like it's a bucket list thing for a cyclist
0: yeah well not a bucket list
1: thing I'm I'm, it's more it's a rite of passage that's what I mean no one one has that on their bucket list (laughs) you've got to break your your collarbone
0: contemplating like oh learn a language oh break my collarbone (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah, no definitely and when I was slogging out on Zwift in a sling that was definitely oh I was not stoked about that um, did
0: you have to like get did you have something to hold your arm up or did you just have to well, use-
1: I had it in the sling and then we had a stepladder to take the weight off it um yeah. so I kind of was leaning on my elbow with it in the sling um which wasn't uh, it wasn't too bad uh I was just we were a bit worried at the time though that you've seen the whole like Matthew Heyman like absolutely smashing his recovery and then he went and won Ruby um yes yeah. I think it was sort of him in his garage with like a stepladder or anything and I probably could have done that like smashed out like three four hour days on the turbo but we didn't want to give myself another injury from being lopsided on the bike or or like compensating so we yeah. we kept it quite easy and my body was like very busy trying to recover from a surgery so there was no no crazy Zwift rides actually went down it was all very basic stuff but thankful for Zwift really that I at least had something to look at because um turbo can be pretty grim uh but I was I was happy to be moving moving my legs obviously because uh when you don't ride your bike for like a week and a bit uh, yeah you're bursting to get back to it so
0: you ever fancied any of that e-racing
1: well I I (laughs) To be honest, I'm surprised that I made it through 2020 without ever doing an e-race. So uh, maybe one 2021. Before? No, I've never done. I've never raced on Zwift before. So maybe, maybe <laughs> if anyone if anyone wants me on their team. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I'm, I'm 60 kilos, <laughs> so. Uh, oh, mate! Your power
0: to weight will be ridiculous on Swift. Well, You'd be the I best mean, teammate ever.
1: For, for a good power to weight, you need to have a lot of power, though. So it, it's uh. all relative, isn't it? yeah and then you also can't bunny hop the hurdles on uh swift so i'm like I'm I
0: see. yeah <laughs> they've not invented a swift cyclocross yet no they haven't they've invented
1: swift gravel and mountain biking and running but i don't know if the cyclocross market do is really.
0: Saddle. i did not know this well
1: there's like off-road routes I feel like yeah on Zwift so, I don't know
0: I mean but, I use Zwift I don't I don't
1: think the I experience don't as
0: much as I should yeah
1: <laughs> I don't think the experience changes that much when you go onto gravel it's, it's not like oh. there's there uh, in game there's you don't start getting like muddy shoes yeah
0: uh, <laughs> oh my god imagine if it like just started like Making it bumpy like, somehow. Or
1: like a know. like a dust machine started like throwing yeah. stuff in your face or like
0: oh, I once saw these rollers actually. I think it was a like Eurobike or something and someone put like cobbles on the rollers.
1: Yeah. yeah. I well I think that's how they test um I think is it specialized or someone that or Schwabe, they test tires with like a treadmill, like a a bumpy treadmill. And they like film <laughs> they film the tires to see like how they perform literally like on a rocky treadmill um
0: wow. yeah the because more you know eh
1: <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know why you wouldn't just go outside and do it but you i know, yeah. suppose if you want to make it fancy <laughs> then bring it indoors
0: yeah no you've got to be scientific you want all your results to be the same yeah <laughs> okay so 2021 we're here january 2021 um yeah. although if you're listening to this podcast or watching this on youtube it'll actually be february by now but what is your plan for 2021
1: uh ride bikes in general and race them as well hopefully if if the racing keeps going uh in the next few weeks basically up until the end of february i'm racing saddle cross, and then i switch to mountain bike and road uh with with trinity uh so that's the plan for the summer i've got mountain bike races lined up hopefully big races like world cups um oh,
0: wow. so that'll be
1: a new kind of challenge for me racing at that level uh, in saddle cross and then hopefully some opportunities on the road as well the the road program with with trinity is really cool for a u23 rider like with with ride, rides like the baby Giro and um mm. uh, to lazard like some really good u23 races and we've got a really strong team as well and and um some really good mentors in the team as well like ian Stannard has just kind of come on as a as a mentor um in trinity so that's that's yeah it's really really good like more the better with with road and the amount of amount of things are to learn and that is yeah something in my head as well that i'm very inexperienced on the road and in racing so there's quite a bit of excitement there in terms of there's a lot of headroom and there's a lot to learn so if i was to do some road racing it would be a definitely a new challenge so yeah there's yeah
0: is it something you'd like to do in the future then
1: a bit more on the road yeah like if the opportunities are there then why wouldn't you just try and jump into them and, and see what's there like I think yeah I've done way more road riding in the last few years than I've done before in terms of training and um and I'd be interested to see how that would kind of go on to the actual road racing with the bunch skills and the tactics and stuff like that. It's something I'm not very good at, but I'd probably hopefully pick up quite quickly and and then and then see how I'd get on.
0: Well, you're going to get thrown in the deep end if you if you do the baby zero for sure. Well,
1: that, <laughs> yeah, that's me just kind of uh, flexing the name dropping. I don't. Yeah. I, I, doubt, I doubt that that's that's someone that's on someone else's program, but that's yeah. me just flexing.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> honestly it's so funny um jake my my other half did the baby giro a couple of years yeah. ago and he, he he's a sprinter um and he was try. they have a prize for the last place in the baby giro, yeah. so he was like oh i'm like going for the black jersey because i think there was like yeah. actually prize money for the, for, yeah. the <laughs> for the last last place in the baby giro, no but obviously just to finish the, the, yeah. the baby giro is is an achievement yeah. in itself for sure yeah
1: it's it's proper bike race it looks like and oh
0: you know, yeah you
1: look at you look at the names who have done well on that and you're like yep those guys are on their way to big things in the world of cycling
0: oh exactly i mean um the tour de l'avenir and baby yeah. giro you know the riders who were podium in there they're all going in and next year they're winning tour. you know world tour races which is which is yeah. crazy to think that 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 the u23 level is is that high
1: yeah, and it's easy to think like how quickly riders make make their name in in, in the world tour. Like Mark Hershey, who everyone's mm-hmm. absolutely loving at the moment, he only just won U twenty three worlds a few years ago. Um and it's easy to forget, yeah, these, these guys are really, really young and the yeah, kind of I the mean there's so
0: many thing. young riders now, right? You've got Pagaccha, you've got Sivakov, you know,
1: Yeah,
0: Remco, Remco. Oh, Pidcock, your
1: yeah. mate Pidcock. <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> What's it like uh,
0: being on the
1: team with him. It's, it's cool. Like, he's a big name, but then the majority of the time, you don't really see that. You just see another bike rider who really loves riding his bike and who trains hard and who eats well and, and sorts stuff out. So, he, um yeah, he's nice. No, he's, he's good fun to be around. And he, yeah, he just, yeah, his, his his kind of passion and enjoyment for the bike riding is 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 a good person to be around so
0: you just know him as your housemate is like come on do the dishes <laughs>
1: uh, yeah exactly no he's, he's he's quite he is quite good with that stuff there around he's good around the house
0: oh you're not gonna <laughs> drop it. you're not gonna drop a it
1: now <laughs> and, uh, i'm just trying to think no i'm not gonna really do that
0: <laughs> <laughs> no worries thanks so much cameron for joining us on the podcast if people want to find you where do they go uh
1: well hopefully if you just type in cameron mason then i'll just come up but it's cameroni mason on instagram and then cameron mason on youtube and that's the main thing and i have a wikipedia page now apparently someone sent that to me a few days ago so (laughs) you should uh go and look at my wikipedia and get my uh my like stats off on that
0: Awesome. Well, if anyone's interested, I will leave all the information in description of the video, all the podcasts, depending on how you're watching or listening to this. Um, Thanks so much, Cameron. Thanks for having me. A huge thank you to Cameron for joining me. And thank you for listening to the Kira McVitie podcast. New podcasts come out every Saturday. So be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to not miss future podcasts. And if you get the time to, it would be really great if you could leave a review. Until next time. Bye.